Hello, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast listeners. This is producer Colleen. We wanted to share with our broader audience a Patreon episode from last month. Over on Patreon, we regularly do Ask Ruth episodes, where our patrons get to ask Ruth the questions they had that stemmed from the current season of the podcast, and Ruth does her best to respond in the way that only Ruth can. This episode today is from our most recent Ask Ruth episode, and the questions come from our Lent season, Adjust Lent, Learning to Love What God Loves. You'll hear Ruth and Tina tackle questions about justice and the church's role in this important work. If you like what you heard, we have episodes like this regularly over on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash transformingcenter to sign up. Please enjoy this episode of Ask Ruth. Hello, everyone. I'm really glad to be with you today, uh, especially our patrons and just thanking you all for your constant and ongoing support for the Transforming Center and our podcast, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. We have just completed a, a season called Adjust Lent, Learning to Love What God Loves. And so we're in an opportunity here to uh, ask some questions of me, but also today I'm going to be in conversation again with my colleague, Tina Harris, the Reverend Tina Harris. Uh, She's going to be reading the questions, but she's also going to be in conversation with me, which I really do appreciate. And and even our podcast producer, Colleen's going to jump in a little bit. So this is going to be very conversational today. We've gotten some good questions and we all need to acknowledge from the get go that these are very complicated and complex Mm. questions. There are no easy answers to the things that we're discussing here today, but I hope that even just hearing an open conversation will, will be helpful to you and uh, will inspire you that there are some Christians who are having these conversations and trying to do those in the most honest way that we can. So, Tina, welcome once again. Thanks for being with me through the uh, season, and now thanks for being with me in conversation. And you as well, Colleen, looking forward to seeing where God takes us in this Mm, conversation. Glad to be here. Well, hey, patrons. Our first question for Ask Ruth from our patrons is, How would you respond to those who criticize churches for losing sight of the gospel when they focus on issues of justice? Why have we gotten into this justice and gospel dichotomy and how will we get out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this question because it's actually the whole reason why we did the podcast that we did, because we here in the Transforming Center do see justice um, as part of the good news of the gospel, a really, really significant aspect of the gospel and feel very disturbed ourselves when we think of the gospel as being anything other than good news for all of God's people. And to be treated justly and with equity in our world is just part of what it means to be Christians who are living out our gospel message. I actually think that we're not losing sight of the gospel when we focus on issues of justice, but we're actually focusing on important aspects of justice when we are of the gospel when we talk about justice i know in the whole season i kept reiterating the question when the scriptures are so clear that i the lord love justice mm-hmm. um that what it requ- what is god requiring of us but to 
to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God and to know that justice was a main theme in Jesus' life, that I don't know how we can separate the issue of justice from the good news of the gospel for everyone. So I actually think we're we're preaching uh, and practicing a more powerful gospel, a more complete gospel Amen. when we include really fully, truly addressing issues of justice. This question of why have we gotten into this justice versus gospel dichotomy and how do we get out of it? I, I love that question because I think it speaks to what we do as humans in general mm -hmm. with lots of topics. We uh, create a false dichotomy out of two issues and then we elevate one and we denigrate the other. And so to think about justice and gospel being a dichotomy is really just what we do as human beings with our minds. Our minds do this. When things get too complicated and difficult, we create these dichotomies, then we elevate one over the other, we diminish the, the other one, and then we can just ignore it and not have to deal with it. And so it's challenging at the level of the mind to try to hold justice and whatever we've thought the gospel was, to try to hold them together in a fruitful synergy, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would say, versus seeing them as being separate. They actually belong together. They're inextricably intertwined with each other. And I think the way we, we get out of this is that we very clearly identify justice as part of the gospel message. What do you think, Tina? I'm sure that you've been in settings where these two things have been pulled apart in painful ways. Yeah. So I would just add to your statement mm -hmm. that this dichotomy, this false dichotomy, I think has also developed because of privilege. Mm -hmm. That for those who feel like they can be separated, yeah. that is a position mm -hmm. and a, a mindset, a, a perspective right. of privilege. Yeah. Because if you realize, if you're living the reality that these have mm -hmm. to be tied together, you realize you don't have that ability, the um, even the luxury, if you will, of thinking of them as separate. Mm -hmm. So uh, if someone would take, and, and how to get out of it, I think the issue is thinking about the ways in which someone ha has is dealing with privilege and mm -hmm. to peel those things back. And so really taking a hard look at all the ways in which they have that invisible knapsack, as uh, mm -hmm. Peggy McIntosh calls it, and thinking about the ways in which that has changed how they look at the world. Because if they can just think of... Uh, the gospel as something that is separate than uh, mm -hmm. from spiritual it's, it's, it's just, just spiritual just over mm -hmm. in the corner it's like compartmentalizing yeah. it's well that becomes very convenient for them That's too exactly right? right so it's also sort of a where's the challenge in that I just feel like if I would encourage people to start with um, investigating their own privilege, unearthing mm -hmm. the ways in which they've uh, been privileged and how that has um, impacted their theology. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how they've perhaps even used that over-spiritualized message of the gospel to yeah. actually prop up yeah. their own sense of privilege. Absolutely. Because if I don't have to think about justice, then I can my, my own privilege can stay intact. Exactly. I don't have to worry challenged. about it. Yeah, it doesn't get challenged when I go to church. Yeah. Um, the gospel just helps me to continue living sit on in, my comfortable, yes. cozy yeah. pews. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and stay comfortable in my privilege because there's nothing in my spirituality that's challenging it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really true. So I think also even how we identify which issues are central to the gospel and which ones are oh, secondary. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw a headline the other day where a very prominent Christian said that the issue of equality for women is a secondary issue so that we're going to, you know, insist on 
um, agreeing on the essentials and on non-essentials we can tolerate disagreement and I'm like it's it's only going to be white men that think that the issue of whether or not women are, are equal can see that as a, as a central issue right. and call called you know oh, the Lord. issue of equality for women yeah. a secondary or a non-essential <laughs> because for women it's really essential mm. to know how you're free to serve Absolutely. you know and so for white privileged Christians you know I could see how it would be easy to say you know the issue of justice is yeah. is a non-essential we're yeah. going to keep you know Jesus death on the cross is going to be our central oh, Lord, you know teaching mercy. but we'll think about justice as being non-essential well it's not non-essential yeah if you are a person who's experienced exactly. injustice exactly I don't know how people think this way. Oh, I really don't. Well, and that shows you the power of naming something, yeah. right? So the person who got to say, this is the essential thing That's and right. not, yeah. they're the ones with all the power because That's they right. said this is essential. And That's so right. therefore we can mute the rest of these voices, right. which is not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say that, that way instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. It's, it, Lord it really, have mercy. It really is. Yeah. So I think that question just highlights the fact that we all have a tendency to create our gospel and to interpret the scriptures through the lens of our own situation and yeah. what supports what we want and what we need. And so to, you know, to set justice aside as right. being distinct and separate from the gospel is just right. people of privilege trying to not have to deal with it. Absolutely. You know? And every time we do that, we're putting God in mm-hmm. the box. That's and right. that is not where And God we're not will. loving what God loves. To Hallelujah. get back to the theme of our season, we're not loving what God loves, which is Absolutely. the heart of our Christian yeah. spiritual journey. Right. And think of what we're yeah. missing out when we don't mm-hmm. love what God That's loves. That's right. And when we don't let our heart be broken by what breaks God's mm-hmm. heart, exactly. we're missing out on a lot. Yeah. So the next Ask Ruth question is, one of our patrons said, "Uh, I deeply appreciated the Lenten series. I'm so grateful for your wise and bold voice regarding how many people have lost their way in terms of truly following Jesus in the church. I'd love to know where and how do you see churches getting on the right path during these tumultuous times? What do you think, Ruth? Mm. Well, I'm not seeing it very often. Let's just put it that way. Right now, what I see in the landscape is a lot of brokenness and a lot of Christian gatherings, Christian communities who aren't able to stay together in these tough questions. And that breaks my heart because it seems to me like at the very least, one of the things we should be able to do in Christian community or transforming community, if you want Mm -hmm. to look at it that way, is stay together in the questions. I think that's such an important aspect of our faith, especially our life and community with each other. So I think... One of the things that I think I see when churches are getting it right is that they're not just preaching sermons, but they're actually creating spaces for conversation about these things where people can stay together. And I and I do think they need to be facilitated, I will say, yes. by people who really know how to hold a conversation and how to hold people in places where they have differences that could be quite volatile. Mm. But you'll give yourself to the conversation more fully and freely if you know that there's a facilitator there who's going to hold you well. Mm-hmm. And so to, yes, preach the sermons. I mean, I think back to the episode that we had with Gary Haugen, where he talked about having gone to church in a Baptist church all of his life and never hearing one sermon on justice. So we Mm. do need to start there, right? I mean, churches who are doing it right are actually preaching and teaching on justice as being central to the message of the gospel. But then after that, creating some spaces where there can be some actual facilitated conversations or experiences. I mean, Tina, one of the things you're doing with us here in the Transforming Center is helping us hold some conversations, but also setting up some experiences for us so that we can actually experience some things together and then process it in in an open, humble and receptive way. And so um, I think I've said this before, but I want to say it again, is that I was really proud of the fact that in addition to doing the Lenten series and the season with the podcast, we as a staff 
in, in prayerful and thoughtful and intentional ways processed every one of the podcast episodes ourselves. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it was you or it was me really holding a safe space for our staff to talk mm -hmm. about things that might otherwise be more difficult for us to discuss. So those are two of the things right now. I think the third one that I might uh, acknowledge before, Tina, I want to hear your response to that is... Um, there are a lot of areas of injustice mm -hmm. and it can get overwhelming to try to face them all. Now I know that in the, in the Lenten season, we surfaced quite a few justice issues. We didn't just stick with one. We surfaced quite a few. And, and I know there was a risk in that. There was a risk of getting overwhelmed and people saying, it's just too much. I can't right. deal with any of it. Right. It's one big ball of wax and I, and I can't deal with all of it. But if churches can be disciplined to, you know, deal with some of the broader issues, but then hone in on something that they feel really called to deal with versus saying, well, since we can't deal with all of it, we're not going to deal with any of it. Amen. I think that is really, it's tempting and it's sad when we say this is too big because it's so big, we're not going to deal with anything. If there could be a way to, to deal with one thing at a time somewhat substantively and let the Holy Spirit really guide what is the issue that's here for us now and how can we really dig into this and how can we really create some space and not rush and have the, have the needed conversations but in a, in a very thoughtful way where no one feels like we're just pushing them yeah. beyond what they're capable of. I think those are things that I see in churches and organizations. I, I'd like to expand the idea from church to communities in general mm -hmm. because many different kinds of communities need to be dealing with with issues of justice, even including our towns and our neighborhoods and mm. things like that. Uh, we all need to be able to do the things that, that I've mentioned here. So um, those are some of the things that I see in communities that are trying to chart a good and fruitful and faithful path through these difficult times. Yeah. So I, I totally agree about having the facilitated conversations. The only things I would add w would be that I think we need to l relearn how to have dialogue yeah. and how to have healthy discourse, mm -hmm. whether it's through crucial conversations or whatever the mechanism people might use. I think we've forgotten how to do that. And we mm -hmm. definitely can't look to the world for how to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's for the church to, um, for us to sort of remember the things we need in order to have those conversations and to lean in with love, mm -hmm. like for people to come with whatever their position is, whatever their perspective is, and not even necessarily, they can decide we don't have to change each other's minds, but we do have mm -hmm. to listen to each other. We have to lean in. Uh, we have to love each other. We have to be willing to forgive each other and be willing to learn from each other, not necessarily change each other's minds. So I would love it if churches spent more time doing that. And I know there are some churches doing that kind of work and, mm -hmm. and that's powerful type of work. In addition to teaching about uh, justice from the pulpit and in uh, Sunday school and in the Bible studies, and then hopefully walking justice out on, in their neighborhoods. And mm -hmm. so that would be the other thing I would encourage churches is that they're not just doing justice work in faraway places, yes. but they are doing justice work in their neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, that they are thinking about what is it that is the, they're, what are they called to do in their neighborhood, on their block, mm -hmm. to show God's love to, um, to all God's people. Yeah. One of the things I've appreciated about the conversations we've been having here as a staff is this normalizing places of awkwardness and discomfort, mm -hmm. you know, that that these conversations, I think one of the reasons we don't have these kind of conversations is that it is, it is uncomfortable mm -hmm. and awkward at times. And I think people um, who have been in a privileged position are afraid of asking the wrong question or asking a stupid question or not using their words right, right. and things like that. And one of the things that you've been really gracious with us about is to help us have a comfort level with 
awkwardness yeah. and the fact that we're not going to get it perfectly right. The, but the fact is that we're trying. That's and it. that's what we're pleased with ourselves about is that we're trying. Yeah. And then this idea, and you, you, you got at this, but I want to just add one more phrase around it. And that is the ability to just be present with someone else's experience mm. as, a, as, a, as opposed to having to argue with it or justify it or prove yourself on something. You, you know, this point that you made mm -hmm. about dialogue. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to just stay present with someone yeah. versus like, what am I going to say next? Yeah. How am I going to defend myself? Amen. What about the ideas that I want to prove? And then you're not present. Yeah. When you're thinking in that way, you are absolutely not present to the mm -hmm. person who's trying to, t to share their story and their experience with mm -hmm. you. And so just this practice around suspending the need to defend or argue or, <laughs> you know, yes. make your point <laughs> or get where you want the, the group to get. Yeah. But to suspend all that in favor of just being present and allowing oneself to be impacted by someone else's different life experience. Wow. I think that's where many of us are going to need to start. Yeah. It seems very simple, but I think for many of us, that's where we're going to need to start. And learn how to do that. And learn how to do it. And if you need help learning how to do mm -hmm. that, you can sign up for TC19. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because we, we are <laughs> we doing this stuff. I mean, absolutely. in the transforming community experience, we're doing this stuff. Absolutely. We are creating the spaces for these conversations to happen around the transforming, in, in the presence of Christ, yes. in the transforming presence of Christ with prayer and with facilitated sharing right. and and contemporary icons that, that you know that picture these experiences that human beings mm. have i mean i'm this is a part of the thing of what i'm most proud about mm. in transforming communities is that we're able to hold these kinds Amen. of conversations and this kind of diversity bless god so ruth this next question um segues beautifully from our last conversation one of our patrons asks as as we engage in good faith conversations about issues of justice it is really easy to bump up against places of stuckness points of disagreement etc um how do you discern when your own stuckness has to do with something other than uh, a love of justice and then the follow-up question is, how can you turn inwards uh, inward, and examine your own fears or implicit bias or self-protection in order to be free to pursue justice? Mm -hmm. This is really getting at what we were talking about just before about this self-awareness, this ability to be self-aware. Like it takes self-awareness to even know that this is a question <laughs> because if you're not self-aware, you don't even have the awareness that it could be about you. You're just assuming that it's all about everybody else, which I think is where we are as a culture pretty much, don't you? Mm. Is that we always assume it's about everybody yes. else. We do very little true self-reflection. Mm. And so to me, this is getting at the spirituality of the whole thing. You know, are we engaging in this journey um, from a place of spiritual listening and spiritual awareness, or are we are are we doing it from a more ego-driven place of I just want to make a difference. I want to, you know, I want to do what's right. Richard Rohr d says that you can easily distinguish between people who are doing what they're doing out of sort of a human sense of of agenda versus a spiritual sense of how God is calling them forward mm. in the world. And that, you know, usually the person that's doing it out, out of some sort of human drivenness is going to have a really sharp edge, hard mm. edge. They're going to keep driving and mm -hmm. pushing. They're not going to be able to be present to anyone else because they're just present to themselves mm -hmm. um, and that sort of thing. And so I think if we can, in our conversations, first of all, always seek to be asking the question, what's going on inside me at this moment? And especially when it feels stuck and we feel so tempted to maybe fight our way out of the stuckness, 
if there could be some some moments when we step back and trust and we trust each other's journeys to God. I think it's when we get all caught up in what we think we can do on a human level. We can't really push people through our own human effort to be where they are not and to be where they don't have the capacity to be. And so there are moments after we've had the conversation, after we've brought our true selves, after we've maybe offered up resources and things like that, when if we're aware, we might we might realize, oh, you know, I can't do any more here right now. Mm-hmm. This person has gone as far as they can. They're not capable of hearing me. They're not, you know, they're just not capable. Mm. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. It's just more of a, you know, Lord, humble me in the presence of this reality that I'm in right now with this person and leave something up to God. I mean, I think that's maybe the point I want to make is that there are times when you get to a point in a conversation where you know you've said and done all you can and it's not shifting or changing the other person. And then we simply must step back and let God be the change agent and not think that it's all about us and how well we're going to do at, at describing everything. So. I think the quality of of our conversations, the quality of the way we are with each other matters in these things, and the quality of our character matters in these things. And so to be sure that we're always in touch with that as well as the passion that we have for justice that God has placed upon our hearts. And I think even the practice of self-examination when a conversation is hard and difficult and feels a little bit stuck, after we backed away and got a little space to go back over it and to ask God to show us whatever it was in us that was ineffective uh, for that conversation or anything in us that needs to be revealed that's that keeps us in a very humble place even as we are pursuing issues of justice and I would even say um, you know that the emphasis that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had in his life and mission on love and the strength Mm -hmm. to love to man he's really really clear about the importance of love and Mm -hmm. that that love is the only thing that can really break through many of these things. Now, he was brilliant in terms of realizing that you still have to have systems that are just. You have to put those systems in place. But that love is the true power. And so where how are we doing with love? Are we keeping ourselves in touch with love even while we're having the tough conversations? I think those are important things that, that have to do with self-awareness sure. and self-examination. So I have a follow-up question for you. So when you mm-hmm. say that there's, um, when you're having a conversation with mm-hmm. someone and they just cannot hear you right now, mm-hmm. is that a character thing or is that could that be a circumstance for that person that they just maybe they're Mm -hmm. recently triggered or there's other things going on in that moment so it's not as if you can't pick up the conversation later on it's just at this moment Mm -hmm. um, you've done all you can is that yes thank you for that because I actually think that in sometimes people you know another psychological term we could use is that they get flooded Mm. and they've just taken all they can and especially if what you're what you're talking about represents a really different way of thinking for yeah. them and a different level of awareness than, than they've ever had they can actually get flooded sure and psychologically what that means is they literally can't take anymore mm-hmm. they're flooded and yeah. they're, no more can get in yeah and so what a loving thing to do what a disciplined thing to do what a spiritual thing to do to be able to recognize I think this person is at their limit and so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to back away and then I'll be ready for the next time. Because, you know, I don't know about you, Tina or Colleen, but sometimes even just getting a night's sleep. Amen. And waking up in the morning sleep, and Lord freshly Lord. looking at the subject, you're like, wow, I just, I didn't get that yesterday, mm-hmm. but I certainly get it today. And then you get another chance, yes. you know. 
So absolutely. We're only humans after all. Can we just I mean, say that's we're only all we humans? Who need sleep and water? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's, it's Basic sunlight. Care. Exactly. <laughs> I saw a great meme that said mm-hmm. we're basically just complicated plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, we just need sunlight and water. Right. Absolutely. Or, or reptiles. On exactly. Some days. You know, the reptilian I, brain just <laughs> kicks into gear and we can't go up to the higher it, level. We just can't do it. We don't have it. I love it. Well, I just want to encourage the whoever asked this question that just a, rem- a reminder that we can grow. Mm-hmm. So wherever we are now is not where we will be 10 yeah. years from now. It's not where we were 10 years ago. And so um, we can grow in issues of justice and um, and grow hand in hand with the Lord. Like if I would hope that people would spend time asking mm-hmm. God, what is the justice issue that is for me to mm-hmm. um, to pay attention to, to do something about, to speak into, to fight for and be open to whatever God says and then grow in it. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you have to be a justice champion tomorrow. It just means you have to do something and learn more and be, um, listen with humility Mm -hmm. and um, uh, listen to people who um, you normally would not listen to (laughs) with humility Mm -hmm. uh, and just be intentional about growing in that area as you are walking out that growing edge. Yeah. Thank you, Tina, so much for being my companion once again in this conversation and helping to facilitate but also making such important contributions and thank you to you Colleen for gathering up our questions and even offering one of your own Mm -hmm. and thanks to you our patrons for keeping us going Mm -hmm. through your generosity and through your donations we're so excited to continue to brainstorm and think about what can be ahead for the podcast what are some of the things that we want to deal with and we're thankful that your questions actually become a part of the whole Uh, So we appreciate your um, willingness to stay connected with us and offer up your questions and be in these conversations with us. Take care and go with God.